Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. You have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 15. And last weekend, Father's Day weekend, we kicked off this idea, this little two-part series called The Heart of the Father, The Heart of the Father. And I want to pick up where we left off last weekend. I want to continue the, the story that Jesus was telling. Now, let me remind you of the context. Jesus was constantly being criticized. Now, if you're under criticism, can I tell you this? You're in good company. How many of you know the world will always criticize what the kingdom of God is about? Stay busy about your father's business. Don't listen to the noise around you. Listen to the spirit of God inside of you. Can I have a good amen? And the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders of the day, they were after Jesus, trying to catch him in his words. And they were upset that Jesus was hanging out with certain people. There were certain people that he was having dinner with, spending time with, sinners, tax collectors, especially immoral people. And so Jesus tells three stories in Luke chapter 15, back to back to back. He tells the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and then he gives the final of the three parables of the lost son. And we talked about the prodigal son if you were here last week. I walked you through the journey of his poor choices. How many of you know when you listen to wrong voices, you make wrong choices? He was listening to voices outside of the father's house, and he ended up in a pig pen. I believe God, he he can use even the most difficult situations to turn us around and to get us back on track. And we, we, we documented his journey of poor choices and how he came home wanting to be a servant, but his father blessed him as a son. Now, uh, he said, we have to throw a party because my son was lost and now he's found. And so everybody just went crazy. They were celebrating. How many of you wish that the story would end right there? I wish that it would have ended with the party. Anybody like to have a good time? Come on. This is South Louisiana. Let the good times roll. I know you're looking for a party. I wish the story had a happy ending and we could, we could just end right there with the party. Everybody feeling good and, man, we eating barbecue. We killed the fatted calf and, man, we're high-fiving. Man, we win. But we went from party to pouty. I'm going to talk to you about the, the pouty older brother. How many know how to pout? I'm good at pouting. I can tell you this. I get my feelings hurt. Anybody get their feelings hurt? get a little upset, somebody offended you, I I can get all pouty. We see how when you're pouty, you miss the party. Come on. Uh, We don't give a whole lot of time to the older brother, but I want to talk to you about that older brother today. You see, the younger brother's issues where they were well-documented. We are very familiar with the sins of the younger brother, but the older brother had his issues too kind of hidden, kind of below the surface. But we're going to excavate this older brother and bring some of those issues to the forefront because I believe that to a degree, all of us 
Yes, you too. All of us suffer from what I call older brother syndrome. O-B-S. Older brother syndrome. You've got tendencies of the older brother, and so do I. Luke 15, look at what it says, verse 25. Meanwhile, this is the party that's going on and everybody's excited. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, hey, what's going on back home? Verse 27, your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. Can somebody say, let the good times roll? Oh, verse 28, but the older brother, he was pouty. He was angry. He wouldn't go in. In fact, his father came out and begged him. But look at what it says in verse 29. But the older brother replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, You have never even given me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Now, I'm being a little dramatic, but if you're a parent, you can understand where this is coming from, right? Oh, yes, you can. You can see right through this. He says, verse 30, yet when this son of yours, this son of yours, notice how he distanced himself. He ain't my brother. This son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes and you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. Now, I want to break down the rest of this story really in two parts. First, I want to give you the resentment of the older brother, okay? And then we're going to get to the response of the father. But first, let's look at what older brother syndrome is is all about. Here are some symptoms of OBS, older brother syndrome. If you're taking notes, write this down. I think one of the main ingredients is just being self-centered. Self-centered. He says, you never gave me or my friends anything. Now, isn't it amazing? Does it strike anybody in this story how the older brother makes this moment about himself? I mean, there's something so much bigger that's happening, and the older brother is missing it because he's so full of himself. You know, look at verse 29 again. Four times in verse 29, the older brother responds and includes himself. He talks about himself four times. He said, all these years, I've slaved for you. Never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with all of my friends. What's he saying? He's saying, Dad, all these years, I have served faithfully. I've I've done everything that you've asked me to do, and you've never thrown a pizza party for me and my friends. But yet this son of yours lives crazy and wastes all of your money, and you throw him a big Texas-style barbecue. You know, it's the me monster. 
And you know, for, for some of us, we can suppress that. But the truth is, all of us have our own interest in mind. We, we all have a tendency to live for ourselves. Notice, if you're a me monster, you live in extremes. He says, Dad, you never. You, ne- you never done anything like that for me. Can I tell you, that older brother was blessed every day of his life. Oh, come on now. I'm, I'm getting ready to step into something. Because it's easy to forget the little daily blessings on your life. And you, when somebody else has a big moment, and thank God for his goodness in big moments, but sometimes we minimize the little moments along the way that God has blessed us with. When somebody gets something that you want that you don't have, it's easy for you to forget everything God has already done for you. Oh, it's getting quiet up in this Methodist church. (laughs) Some of you are like, are we Methodist? (laughs) I just said, I put that out there, I don't know. We're a gumbo of different people, come on. We got, we got Catholics, we got Baptists, we got Methodists, we got Baptocostal, Pentecostal, we got all of them. We just love Jesus up in here. True story though, sometimes you can be intoxicated with yourself and not even see it. The older brother is making this moment about him. Dude, sometimes it's not about you. But if you're self-centered, you view everything through a selfish filter. His brother was so upset because, man, his younger brother's having a big moment, but he fails to see the little moments of God's blessing in his life every day. When you're in the Father's house, think about it. You have the blessing of the Father. You have his, his wealth. You, you have his resource, you have his security, you have his blessing. Listen, when we wake up, how many of you are thankful that God wakes you up in the morning? The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. It was mercy that woke you up and pulled you out of bed. How many of you had something to eat before you came to church? How many of you got something to eat at church? Are you kidding me? You've got health and strength in your bodies. Man, you've got nourishment to yourself. Man, you you walk into an environment where people love you and care about you. Some of you, man, it's a blessing to get to go to work. You have a job. Man, when you pay that light bill, you don't have to fuss and cuss and get all upset. Plus, God, you've got resources to keep the lights on. Look into the eyes of your children and all those little kids running around. Sure, you're chasing them down. I know it takes a lot of energy and effort, but bless God, he has given you so much. The little goodness and blessing of God along the way, and yet you're fixated when somebody else has a big moment. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not about you. Now listen, I'm not criticizing the older brother. You know why? Because I see so much of the older brother in myself. (laughs) Listen, people who shine from within don't have to chase the spotlight. Ooh, Just shine your light right where you are. Don't have to chase the stage, the microphone, the, the visibility, the spotlight. This older brother couldn't see past himself to celebrate his younger brother. Hmm. You know what another... Uh, another symptom of older brother syndrome is entitlement. Not only was he self-centered, but he was entitled. Now consider this, okay? Historically, 
under Jewish custom, if, if this father had two sons, I want you to consider the inheritance for just a moment, okay? Consider all that the father had. Remember, the younger brother asked for his inheritance now. Give me my inheritance now. Well, what portion did the younger brother get? Check this out. According to Jewish custom, if you have two brothers, the older brother would get the double portion, right? Because of the, the birthright, if you study that, remember Jacob and Esau, the birthright, the blessing. Remember, Jacob stole the, the birthright from, from Esau. Well, well, that birthright, because you're the firstborn son, you would get a double portion. So here's what the father would do. When, when the younger brother asked for his inheritance, the father took all of his possession and divided it up into three equal parts. Because he had two sons. He didn't divide it 50-50. He divided it into thirds. And he would give two-thirds to the older brother. That's the double portion. And he would give the one-third to the younger brother. Do you see how this works? So the older brother, because of the birthright, gets the double portion. When the younger brother asked for his inheritance, the dad gave him that one-third, and he took it and he squandered it. What's left is the two-thirds. Everything that's left is the older brother's inheritance. Now, here's what we miss. When you kill the fatted calf to celebrate the younger brother, who did the calf belong to? That was the part of the older brother's inheritance. Come on now, are you with me? This thing's starting to hit closer to home now. If I'm the older brother, I can see why he would think, well, if he wants to squander his inheritance, that's his decision. But don't mess with my inheritance. Oh, come on now, smile at me, smile at me. Because he was entitled to everything that was left. You see, when you operate in a spirit of entitlement, you see possessions as greater than people. Let me say that again. If you're entitled, you will mishandle and misuse and abuse people because of possessions. But the way of the kingdom is not about stuff. The way of the kingdom is about relationship is greater than material possession. Can you say amen? amen? This older brother, not only was he self-centered, not only was he entitled, but look at this third symptom. He couldn't celebrate others. He just couldn't celebrate someone else. Now, let me ask you this question. How do you respond when somebody else gets the promotion that you wanted? I know. I know. Look, look, I'm not preaching down at you. I'm right there with you. When they get the reward that you felt like was yours, when they get the position, the promotion, the pay raise that you wanted, the, the, the things that you feel like that you have deserved, can you celebrate what God is doing in somebody else? You see, this is a big test. This is where older brother syndrome can block what God's trying to do in your life. You know, if I can't celebrate what God is doing in your life, I might be blocking the blessings that he's trying to bring to me. Okay, let me put myself on trial. I won't say, because it's easy for me to celebrate what God's doing in you, because you're not pastoring a church in Baton Rouge. 
Can I celebrate? Is, is it possible for me to celebrate what God is doing at the church down the road? I better. Even if revival's happening over there and attendance is exploding over there, can, can, can I? See, now it, it's different when somebody's in your realm. Sometimes, in, in, even in Christianity, we battle jealousy and, and rivalry and comparison. The truth is, if I can't celebrate what God is doing in you, how can God trust me with what he wants to give me? And maybe some of you, the blessing is being blocked because you're just not celebrating somebody else. Man, when, when they get the good news, you know, maybe, maybe their child has wandered from the Lord just as yours has, and their child came back, but yours is still out there. Okay, let me say it this way. Maybe you've been single for a long time. And you go to the mailbox and you get that invitation to the wedding of your friend. And you're thinking, ah. Guess what? It's a test. You see, older brother syndrome won't celebrate anybody else for any other reason. And here, if you pout, I want you to see this. If you pout, you will do without. Pouting will cause you to miss the party. You see, God's doing some great things. He's doing some great things around you. And part of the test is maybe the blessing is around you, and you got to celebrate that first before the blessing finds you. Because you may not be able to handle the blessing God has for you if you're suffering with this older brother syndrome. Okay, you didn't like that one. Let me move on. Here's, here's the last thing I want you to see. Older brother syndrome. I want you to see the difference between duty and desire. Duty and desire. Duty says, I have to. Desire says, I want to. You see, the older brother in this story is a picture of the Pharisees. It, remember, the religious leaders who are criticizing Jesus for hanging out with, with immoral people. Jesus is telling this story, and in this story, the older brother represents the religious spirit. A religious spirit says, I have to. But when you're in relationship with the Lord, it says, I want to. There's a big difference. You know, some people, and I get it, I'm not into religion. I talk to some people, they find out what I do. I say, say what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. Oh, 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 I'm not religious. I'm like, good, because I'm not either. They're like, well, you're a pastor. How can you be a pastor and not be religious? I say, man, I'm not in bondage to religion. He that the Son is set free is free indeed. Man, I'm free in Christ. Well, wait a second. What about all the rules and regulations of your religion? Jesus didn't die for religion. He died for relationship. I'm in relationship with somebody I love, and now it's no longer I have to. It's a I want to. I want to be a part of what God is doing. I want to do the things that please the Lord. I want to give. I want to serve. I want to share my faith. I want to be a light in the workplace. I want to be a blessing in my community. I want to raise my kids in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. I want to love my spouse and care for my family. I don't have to do all that. I want to do it. You see, the older brother was a son, but he was acting like a slave. I slayed for you all these years. 
Really? Brother, you are blessed under your daddy's roof. Man, it's an honor. It's not a have to. It's a, a get to. I get to do this. Well, got to go to church. It's Sunday. What? <laughs> well, if that's your attitude, stay home. <laughs> Don't want that spirit up in this house. We say, I'm not here because I have to be. I'm here because I. Oh, come on now. Come on. Dude, it's so good. It's so good. I love what Pastor Timmy Strait said. He's our, our St. Francisville campus pastor. He said this, spiritual maturity isn't just calling out sin, but it's restoring the sinner. It's easy to call out someone's sin, but it takes effort to restore someone back to fellowship. Oh, man, the resentment of the older brother syndrome. I'm telling you, it's in the church. Now, we can criticize the prodigal outside of the church all day long, but we need to look in the mirror and make sure that older brother syndrome is not in the house. Because really, there were two prodigals, one outside of the house and one right there under his daddy's roof. They were both lost. Now, let's look at the response of the father. So the resentment of the brother, you see the symptoms of older brother syndrome, but we got to talk about the heart of the father. This, this is where we can redeem some things now because conflict is real, okay? To, to, if you're a leader, if you're leading a business, if you're leading a family, if you're even leading the dog for a walk, how many know conflict happens everywhere you go? To be alive means to be in conflict. How many of you, you don't like conflict? I don't. I get like nervous when you have to have like confronting conversations. You know, I know some people are, are fight or flight. Man, I just rather avoid it. You know, man, I, I like for everybody to be happy. And man, if I know somebody's not happy or somebody's not happy with me and I have to have a tough conversation, I get like these splotches on my neck. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, man, it's just, I get nauseous. But listen, if you want to make everybody happy, go sell ice cream, right? But if you're going to lead, if you're going to lead, how many know families have conflicts? I mean, you got to lean into that conflict in a healthy and productive way. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, what? Jesus is in the midst. Why? You know why? Because people are messy, and we need Jesus. Come on, talk to me. Turn your neighbor and say, you need Jesus up in your life. Man, we're good at making messes. Sometimes we can't clean up the things we messed up. Jesus, I need you. Well, here comes this father. And then look at what he says in verse 31. This is so good, the response of the father. Verse 31, his father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me. And everything I have it's yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and now he's come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Now, let me take the, the last few moments of our time together and I want to break down the response of the father phrase by phrase. Look at how he starts. He says, look, dear son, what a tender term. It was a, a term of affection. You know, it literally means in the Greek, look, dear child. Now, if I'm the dad in this situation, 
I might not be as gracious. And you might not either. Think about it. All the years that the prodigal was gone and all the sleepless nights and the concern and the prayers. and Man, I mean, his world was consumed with his younger son. How many of you know you're only as happy as your saddest child? I mean, and he was just so consumed. And then his, his son comes back, and it's like this heavy weight is lifted off of him. It's time to rejoice, and here comes another problem. How many of you know when you solve one problem, you got two more facing you? I wouldn't be as gracious. I might say something like, look, boy, I brought you into this world. Some of you feeling convicted because you've said that this week. But he's gracious. Listen to me. He says, look, dear son, be gracious as much as possible. Now, you need to bring correction, bring direction, do that. But you don't have to get sideways and make a bad situation worse. You can disarm conflict if you have the right spirit. You know, you don't have to be punitive in a confrontational situation. Can I have a better amen? You're not here to, to punish. You're here to correct and to direct. Sometimes I have to correct people on my staff, and I have conversations. And you know what? I offer grace. I say, listen, what I'm correcting you for, I'm, I've been guilty of doing that same thing 20 times when I was first getting started in ministry. And the grace that my pastor had for me, I'm giving that same grace to you. How many of you know that as a kid, you didn't always get it right? How many of you, you made your mistakes along the way? Don't forget where you came from when you bring correction and direction to somebody else. He says, my dear son, look at what it says. You have always stayed by me. The father was smart enough not only to have the right spirit, he was gracious, but he starts with affirmation. He says, I'm speaking to your faithfulness. Before I correct what's happening, the, the, your perspective, the things in your spirit that aren't right, let me tell you this. I see your faithfulness. Can I tell you? Let, I want somebody to hear this. This is a word for somebody. God sees your faithfulness. Day in and day out, when you serve faithfully at your job, at your post, in your community, your commitment to the things of God, your faithfulness to the house of God, your attendance, your giving, your serving, day after day, God sees it. I know you may not always be getting the party that, 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 that you feel like you deserve, but watch this. Your steady faithfulness today is creating an eternal party and celebration that one day will never end. Notice, notice what the scripture says here, Hebrews 6, verse 10. The Bible says, for God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Can I, can I tell you this? God sees your faithfulness in the field. Stay faithful in the field. Is somebody else getting celebrated? Thank God for that. But I'm staying at my post because I know that, that, that even the struggles of today are going to produce a glory that one day will be far greater. 
He says this, everything I have is yours. Everything. Don't forget, everything you see, son, it belongs to you. This is your inheritance. The older brother was caught up in losing the fattened calf. That calf was part of his inheritance. And the father's trying to tell him, son, don't worry about that calf. The best is yet to come. It's, I mean, you, you think this is a party today. Man, the best for you is still in front of you. Boy, I feel like the word, that's a word for somebody. The best for you is in front of you. Your best days are not behind you. I know you may be in a season of struggle. Stay faithful. Stay faithful, brother. Stay faithful, sister. Stay faithful in the field because your best is in front of you. God sees you. He notices you. He's not forgotten you. He's not unrighteous to forget you. He says, everything I have is yours. And your brother, somebody say, your brother. See, he reminds this young man of his responsibility to community. Can I say this as a church? We are a spiritual family. And we have a responsibility, not just to God, but to each other in this family. And let me say this, a win for your brother is a win for you. And a loss for your brother is a loss for you. When your sister wins, we all win. When your sister loses, we all lose. We never rejoice at somebody else's suffering or downfall. I mean, you read about something, you hear about something and some immorality or failure or fall from grace or however you want to frame it. Man, we don't rejoice when a brother in the Lord falls. A win for your brother is a win for you. A loss for your brother is a loss for you. Let me ask the band to come up. I got to hustle. Let, let me finish this. The parable, I wish it had resolution. He ends up telling his son, we, we have to celebrate. We have to celebrate. You've got to get this in your spirit. Don't get pouty and miss the party. We have to celebrate. God is doing so much. around. we got to celebrate everything we can while we can. Listen to me, church. People are coming to faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Lives are being transformed. People are being added to the church. When somebody gets water baptized, we got to celebrate that. Man, when somebody goes through next steps and says, man, I want to be committed and connected to the family, we got to celebrate that. You know, when somebody shows up for the very first time, when a first-time guest walks through these doors, we have to celebrate that. God's doing so much more than what we even realize. Somebody gives for the very first time in the offering. we got to celebrate that. The kingdom of God is growing and advancing, and the Father's trying to convince the Son Celebration is not an option. And I wish we had resolution to this story. We, we really don't. The Bible doesn't tell us if the older brother says, you know what, Dad? You're right. Give me those chips and nachos. Let's go. Let's, where's the queso? We killed that fatted calf. Man, where's the brisket nachos? Come on, somebody. We don't know that. We don't know if he continued just to sulk in his own selfishness, or if he went in to celebrate his brother.
But here, I want, let, let, me, let me do the best I can to put a bow on this. Let me, let me finish it this way. We've seen the resentment of the older brother. We've seen the response of the father. But here's what I want you to remember. Remember the true older brother. He said, man, who's the true older brother? Jesus himself. Now watch this. Jewish custom would have us understand that if the prodigal, the younger brother, ran away from home, it was the older brother's responsibility to go after the younger brother. Okay, I bet you didn't know that. Check this out. Say, why didn't the father? Man, he just waited on the front porch. It wasn't the father's responsibility. It was the responsibility of the older brother to track his sibling down. And what Jesus was telling the Pharisees, you are the older brother of Israel and you have failed because you won't welcome sinners and tax collectors and immoral people. It's your responsibility to go after the lost sons of Israel. But where you have failed, I have succeeded. I am the true older brother. Watch this. God saw you and me in our mess. He saw us in the pig pen, and he sent his son, our older brother, Jesus, who left the Father's presence and came into our brokenness, and he found us in our sinfulness, and he brought us back home. And not only was he the true and faithful older brother, but he became the fatted calf. He sacrificed himself so that you and I could rejoice and never be separated from the Father again. Come on, put your hands together if you believe that today. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Where the Pharisees failed, Jesus succeeded. And I want you to know, Jesus will never fail you. Religion will fail you, but Jesus never will. Do you believe that today? Put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit HealingPlaceChurch.org.